0: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helfen.
3: Hey, everybody, it's John Helfen. Welcome to the July 30th episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Draft.com. With me today is my colleague Kevin Payne. I'm coming to us from. Are you in Buffalo, near Buffalo? Yes, I am in the budding metropolis of Buffalo, <laughs> New York. Budding metropolis, all right. Um, so. Josh Allen was accurate in practice over the weekend and everybody got really excited. It sounds like everybody went fired. They're like, look at that. He completed a few passes. The accuracy issues aren't there. Oh, but then he overthrew a couple of people and, but he's been the best. One of the beat writers said best quarterback at camp so far. What do you make of that?
1: Well, right now that's kind of a low bar. I think to
3: pass <laughs> uh,
1: concerning his competition is AJ McCarron, who's been nothing more than a backup to this point, And Nathan Peterman, who we saw enough of, I think, in that game against the Chargers. So, uh, you know, there's going to be different uh, things that are going to happen here because most of those reporters are from Rochester, where camp is, or from Buffalo. And I think that some of them, even if it's subliminally, think it's part of their job to kind of hype up the team and give some optimism. So you're absolutely correct. I saw videos of them throwing perfect passes down the sideline touchdowns, and then I saw him overthrowing uh, easy passes, easy dump-offs out of the backfield. So the fact that he's the best-looking guy already, I don't read into too much. I did read yesterday that according to the past defenses last year, the Bills have the toughest first four games starting out in Baltimore, and and for what it's worth, I have recommended to a lot of people at the end of drafts if you're going to stream defenses, take Baltimore week one, because no matter who's under center, I don't think the Bills are going to move the ball that much. But uh, I so that may play into whether or not they throw Allen into the fire right away week one or if they give him a, a few weeks to get acclimated to the pro game and see what they have in McCarron. So for right now, I'm not going to read in too much into anything, uh, whether it's good, or whether it's bad. I do like watching this film just to see where he's at. But at the end of the day, he's going to start at some point this season. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. Um, I just don't see McCarron going in and, and leading this team to a potentially a playoff spot. Peterman as well, who Peterman's actually gotten a lot of reps with the first team and during camp and whatnot. But I think eventually uh, Josh Allen plays the majority of the games. It's also interesting that in Vegas, the over/under for him um, NFL game started this year was nine and a half. The highest of any rookie quarterback uh, taken this season, which I think is kind of interesting. So Vegas thinks he's going to start and play a lot. I do, too. I'm just not sure what those results are going to go ahead and and give fantasy owners. So I'm not too um, optimistic about him this season. Um, and I, I didn't like the draft pick when the Bills took him. I hope I'm wrong as a Bills fan. I hope I'm dead wrong on this. But I've already been on record saying I didn't like the pick. Especially given up what they did to get it. Uh, but, again,
3: I hope I'm wrong. All right. Um, I hope you're wrong, too. And I, I thought it was a bad pick, too. But I don't want to see the guy fail. You know, let's just see. Plus, he, he seems like such an interesting talent. That if that talent panned out, it would be fun to watch.
1: It is. And he's, he's a big kid with a big big arm um you know and, and again we haven't had that franchise quarterback since Jim Kelly i mean we Tyrod you know was a good game manager he was good enough just to eat them into the playoffs but um other than that we i mean we haven't had a quarterback here in forever and it would be nice to get a guy that we could count on um, he's got a running game with him wide receivers are very very sketchy I think between them and Dallas it's you know probably the two best worst units in the league. So he doesn't have a lot of support there but I don't again I don't think they're gonna call on him to do a lot in his rookie season Just hand the ball off to McCoy or dump the ball off to McCoy a lot.
3: All right uh, folks. Check us out on Twitter. Kevin's at Payne 26 I'm at JayHelton37. You can also tweet us at roto You can get some uh, player updates when you need them at roto NFL, and you can always find us on Facebook. Okay, so today what we're going to do, uh, we're going to go over some of the weekend news because on Mondays, you know, there's always some some issues to to deal with and, you know, quotes from people. I know it's only July, and I know you need to take certain things with a grain of salt, but we're going to go over a couple of them anyway. And then we're going to get in some tight ends. We're going to kind of dig into the tight end position a little bit. All right, first news item from the weekend. One of the 49ers beat writers said that Matt Breida is, quote, the best running back on the team. Um, Considering that I've been talking with people about Jarek McKinnon all summer so far, this is kind of an interesting quote. Again, you never know what this means. What do you think it means? Is it something that if Breida's running well, if you are one of those people who wants to take McKinnon in the second round, do you have to pause a little bit? I think you do. And I think second
1: round for McKinnon, and I know the 49ers threw um, a lot of money at him, albeit obviously not all guaranteed. Uh, But, you know, second round seems a little bit early. I don't think Breed is going anywhere, and he's going to go ahead and, and get his touches, whether it's spelling, you know, McKinnon every, you know, one out of every three series or coming in, you know, and handling the third down roll. Uh, both players, I think, kind of have the same profile. These are both guys who aren't the biggest guys, are capable pass catchers out of the backfield. Breed is not the biggest guy. That's the one area where I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, I think he goes around 190, 195. And to me, that doesn't yell a guy that's going to handle you know, running in between the tackles and taking, you know, 20 carries a game without getting hurt. So I think that they try to kind of incorporate these guys in some type of a tandem this year with McKinnon getting first crack. Um, I don't think they bring him in and do all that knowing what they had in Brita, unless they wanted somebody that they thought was a little bit better. Now, interestingly enough, um, when I wrote about Brita. He was, um, you know, I noticed he, I I think he said he had a, you know, a decent 4.4 yards per carry last season, you know, 4.4 yards a carry in the NFL these days is actually pretty darn good. And I think most teams would take that. If you look at McKinnon, the last two seasons, he's had 3.8 and 3.6 in Minnesota with a, which was a decent offense, especially last season with Keenum and some talented wide receivers on the outside. So, um, I think that, as I said, second round to me is way too early to take McKinnon. I would take him late third, early fourth if you missed out on running back early. And just as kind of my strategy so far this season is I've been trying to take running backs early when possible because I think wide receiver is much more deep. I think you can wait to those mid to late rounds and find some really good values, find a lot of guys – that are number ones on their team with the you know uh, upside to get 1,000 yards this season with six to eight touchdowns. So um, for McKinnon, I'm probably going to be in most drafts. Somebody's going to like him a little bit better and take him before me. And I do think that Breed is going to have a good amount of role, even when both guys are healthy in this offense.
3: All right, so I am looking at the some ADPs here, to what you said. Um, on Fantasy Football Calculator, McKinnon is pick number 20 on MFL not the MFL 10s but nfl he's number 27. So, nah.
1: Nah, I'm not I'm not taking him there. As I said, I want to say I do have him. I took him in one MFL and I think I got him in the 4th round, first one of the first picks in the 4th round. Yeah. And that felt about right to me for a guy that, you know, full point PPR could catch 50 plus passes and and carry the ball, you know, uh 200 times this season. That felt okay. Um but as it's at twenty seven, is way too early for
3: me. Okay. Next, uh, coach speak, or actually, the first, the last two were media. This is coach speak. Um, Rashad Penny, who's been going fourth round. Seahawks drafted him in the first round, ostensibly to be their lead back because they haven't been totally happy with what they've had. Um, and you know, three down type. And he actually, the coaching staff, Brian Schottenheimer Schottenheimer talked him up over the weekend for being. Very, very good. I think he said he's the best he's been around for a rookie in in picking up blitzes and things like that, which is high praise, and that's one of those things that can keep a rookie off the field. However, Pete Carroll, (laughs) about a month ago, or OTAs, he talked up Chris Carson. And now on, let's see, Saturday, Friday, sorry, quote, he's just worked so hard and so well conditioned and so strong that he's really, he's tearing it up and so we're really excited about it. Where we left off, he was just getting going last year and I think he would have been a very impacting football player on our team and we missed him terribly but he's picked up and he's way ahead of where he was. Um, So the argument I've been hearing with people on this podcast this summer is that, well, the Seahawks wouldn't have drafted Rashad Penny in the first round if they weren't going to play him and this Chris Carson stuff which is probably, you know, bah, it's BS. When is it Uh, not BS. I don't think Chris Carson is going to necessarily be the starting back, but at some point you look and you say, is he going to get some playing time? And that would make me think twice about drafting Rashad Penny in round four.
1: Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. Um, I took Rashad Penny at the Stopa draft, uh, $200 budget, just for those that aren't familiar with it. And I bought Penny for $20 and a lot of people thought that that was a steal. Uh, Conversely, Chris Carson went for $3, so which I felt was about right. I feel like with both players there, there was an opportunity to surpass the amount of money that they went for. And so here's the thing with Pete Carroll, and here's the thing with both guys, and I'm going to talk about like some things in the past that <laughs> you've you've we've seen with these guys. Um, Carson, I believe, was a backup when he was at Oklahoma State. And I, I don't know that that makes a huge difference, though, because I think – that Pete Carroll will throw everything out the window and take the best players and play them. And the best example I can give of that was when they brought in Matt Flynn to be their starting quarterback, gave him some money and then drafted Russell Westbrook. And we know exactly the route they went and that worked out for them fantastically. So I, I can believe that Chris Carson could be the starter week one. Do I think that's, what's going to happen? I do not. I do think that given all the turmoil and, everything that happened to them last year most of it was injury induced which is tough to predict and know that it's going to happen i mean the running back spot was an absolute nightmare for the seattle seahawks last year and they had to rely on russell wilson which wasn't the worst thing in the world given that he had doug baldwin and jimmy graham um and a couple of speedsters on the outside and Lockett and richardson that he could go to so I think, though, this year going into the draft, they had the mindset of let's get our guy that we can count on and give the ball 20 to 25 touches per game. Um, Penny can take the ball out of the backfield. He comes from San Diego State. I think we've seen some running backs have a major impact in this league from San Diego State before. Um, So I still do like Penny, and I like the fact that if you have not had your draft yet, depending on where you fall between this debate, you're going to see Penny's ADP drop while right now um, Carson's is shooting up. So I think that's interesting to see that happen. And we're so early right now, three or four days in the camp, that all this coach speak, everybody's doing great. You know, i I'm yet to see anybody say this guy's been a bum. I, uh, he should be prepared to get cut. We don't see those stories right now. So, Take a lot of these with a grain of salt. If Penny starts falling into the fifth or sixth round, he could end up being a fantastic uh, value. Now, again, though, I, I think that they're going to work on their running backs. They could have somebody else come in and work, the, you know, third downs. Procise is still there. He's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. So who knows what's going to happen with everything else. But if I want a guy right now and I'm not making any Bold prediction here. It's still Penny that I'm going to want, and uh, Carson though, as I said, not a bad guy to take a flyer on. We could be talking totally different about him in a month
3: from now. Okay, right now, if you're sitting in the middle of round four, is Penny a yes or a no? Yes, for me he is. Okay, and I just took him in an NFL
1: last night. Was this morning? I, I do too many of them. I took him in the middle of round four. Was perfectly content with it. And as soon as a few weeks ago i think i was taking him late third if he was there so that tells you where i'm at on him
3: right. how many mfls have you done
1: uh i'm in double digits now easily i think right. some of these days especially you know what it has been too with dfs i think um we've gotten into that point of the le- the season and it makes sense to me for baseball where they're not playing these day games when it's 90 degrees hot across the country or at least it has been the last few weeks it's kind of cooled down um, where there's no day games. And so I sit here with no DFS for early slates and whatnot. And I'm like, Hmm, what can I do to occupy my, <laughs> I know I'll sign up for another MFL. It's 10 bucks. Why not? And then I get them overlapping and, I uh, usually get two or three going at a time. So I think I'm up towards 15 right about now. Most of them are MFL tens. I'm not breaking my bank doing it. I think I've got a, MFL uh, 20 or two mixed in there, but, um, Yeah, I definitely enjoy doing those and and the different strategies and everything involved and picking in different spots. I think it can be very useful if you're going to do a snake draft and haven't done yours for your season long yet, season league or season long league yet. I think it's a great way to kind of go ahead and get some perspective on who you should take and where you can expect players to fall to
3: you at. Uh, I agree 100%. Um, All right. So you mentioned earlier when we talked about um, the 49ers running back situation you said you'd written about MapRed and you, you've written a few uh, under the ra- articles on under-the-radar players. One of the other guys you mentioned is Ryan Grant, the, the wide receiver on the Colts. And I think this is an interesting one because um, in talking about Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck's fantasy fortunes seem to be on the rise because... Um, he's throwing in camp. You know, a month, a month ago, we, we kind of didn't know what was going to happen with Andrew Luck. It was a mystery. He hadn't, we, you know, the reports were, well, he was not even throwing the ball. And, you know, I think he's going to be okay. But how can you draft a guy because you say, I think. Well, now Andrew Luck seems okay. Um, someone besides T.Y. Hilton has to catch the ball. Someone besides T.Y. Hilton and the tight ends. Right, Mike Clay was on with me a couple weeks ago. He likes, he, he kind of is taking a flyer at Deion Cain a little bit, um, you wrote about Ryan Grant, um, who, who, I mean, hey, like I get it's got to be someone, and you think this number two guy is going to be Ryan Grant, it looks like. I do.
1: Um, and just to go back to the stope auction, I went to 24 on Andrew Luck. Last year, he went for 35 the list. I had Andrew Luck nowhere last year, and writing my waiver article was asked week in and week out, do I hold on to Andrew Luck? What do I do with Andrew Luck? And I just kept saying, I'm down on the guy. I mean, it's taken me a long time of playing fantasy football, but I've finally gotten away from these guys who might come into discount but have that injury tag with them heading into the season. And last year, totally different story with Andrew Luck than it is this year. I mean, we were just talking about looking at video of Josh Allen. I mean, I saw some great video of Andrew Luck firing darts down this field, uh, which could bold, you know, great for obviously for T.Y. Hilton, who's going in the third round. But there's got to be somebody else. And I think that there's a strong argument that the tight end position is probably going to be number two. When you look at Doyle and when you look at Eric E. Brown, um, both these guys, I flip a coin. And I know we're going to talk about tight ends in a little while, but flip a coin, I'm not really sure who's going to be the better guy. I mean, know that we've had you know our issues with Iran and his drops in the past um athletically I think he's probably a little bit better than Doyle but Doyle might be a little bit of a better better pass uh route runner with better hands so um that collectively the tight end spot but he's gonna need to have that number two guy the one of the reasons I like Grant too and I should have talked a little bit more about this in my article is going back to the situation he was in last year with the Washington Redskins they love to spread the ball around Kirk Cousins went to whoever was open you've got tight ends you've got this all these different guys playing wide receiver for them all of which you know you couldn't count on week in and week out of it seemed to be so you take a look at ryan grant when he had six targets or more he actually had some decent games um six targets he had four catches 85 yards uh, another game nine targets five catches 76 yards and a score another game six targets four for sixty one Another game, seven targets, five for 38. Now, that's not great, but three of those four games were very good when he got six targets. And six targets isn't a lot, I don't think, in this offense. If they run a no-huddle, up-tempo offense, which is basically what they're saying they're going to do, and he's the number two wide receiver, I just think that, you know, not a guy I count on week in and week out, don't get me wrong, but once five weeks roll around and I need a wide receiver – Andrew Luck, and then playing with a defense who I don't think is very good <laughs> at all, right. I think they're going to have to put up a lot of points, and he's going to have to throw the ball. So I think that the arrow's pointing up for this whole offense in general. And so uh, Ryan Grant's a guy that I would take a look at. And Deion Cain, I took him a few weeks ago in um, a dynasty draft. I think that uh, you know I like using him as an gate pick there. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe he's the guy. But for me, give me the guy who's in his prime at 27 years old, Ryan Grant, who's got experience, and I think is going to earn the trust of Luck once he works a little bit more with him. Um, And as I said, I think it's a great spot, one of the better spots to be a number two wide receiver in an offense,
3: even given the fact that I expect a lot of production out of those two tight ends. All right, what about the running backs? That's a that seems there. There's no standout there. So, so you can think. I mean, Hines is kind of a little fast guy, so he's not going to be. He could be the change of pace, but not the. You know the 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 guy who's going to get 220 touches or something. What do you make of Mac Jordan Wilkins? What do you think might happen there?
1: So, and I'm glad you said that because I've seen nothing but hype over Hines, and I'm going. This guy's 190 soaking wet, and just like I said earlier, with Breda being a little bit smaller, and Breida's bigger. And, um, so I'm going, how is, do people think that this is the sleeper guy? He's not going to get work again in between the tackles running and stay healthy. He's kind of that guy, as you said, it's going to line up, you know, start in the backfield line, go line up in the slot and catch that short pass. You know, if people want to know who the next Tariq Cohen is going to be this season, maybe that's Naheem Hines, but it's not a guy that, and that's absolute positive best case scenario upside works out for him. Um, But he's not that guy. As you said, it's going to get 20 or 25 touches a game, even if, you know, something happens to Wilkins or Mech. I just don't see that happening whatsoever. Um, The other uh, interesting thing about this backfield is if you look who else is in there, it's the castaways from Seattle between Robert Turbin and Kristen Michael. So I think that's kind of interesting as Kristen
3: Michael's there? Did I know this? I didn't think I knew that.
1: Yeah, no, he's there. He's like fifth or sixth on the depth chart. But I thought that that was interesting, that if you uh, lose your job in Seattle, you always have one in Indianapolis, apparently. But anyways, um, I just like the fact that, and this is a similar situation, I think, between Penny, what we just talked about with uh, Penny and Carson. You can go ahead and, except for Mac, you don't have to go in the fourth or fifth round for him. You can get him in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Same thing with Wilkins. Um, You can wait and get him much later. I love Wilkins just as kind of an end guy, and I didn't get him in Stopa. I think I did bid two on him, and somebody got him for three or four, and I'm regretting it already because this was a guy that had good numbers in the SEC on a team um, where they, you know, when he was in the on the field, they knew he, they were going to run the ball. And uh, good numbers against Alabama, arguably the best defense in the country last year. I mean, everything you look at for this guy – Says that you know he can go ahead and make it at the next level. So, Marlon Mack to me is not a huge hurdle for him to clear. That being said, I mean, Max has got upside in himself. Um, but again, didn't average even four yards a carry last season. And what was granted a limited role and not a great quarterback under center, although it was a mobile quarterback, which running backs tend to do better with. So, I just think that either one of these guys might pay off big time. So, if you don't get one or the other try to get one or the other. So if you miss out on Mac in the sixth, seventh round, um, get Wilkins late. I, I would say almost no matter what, try to get Wilkins late because, uh, as you said, I think the upside is there that he's that guy who not not necessarily be there on third down, but he's there on first and second down. And if he can handle this, as I said, what's going to be an up-tempo offense that's going to have to put up points to win games, I think that, uh, you know, the phrase I like to use is I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy goodness there in Indianapolis. Again, not going out on some crazy limb or anything. I think everybody thinks that, um, especially if Andrew Luck's healthy. But that's kind of how I would deal with that running back situation.
3: All right. Everybody remember pedigree wise, you know, Mac got drafted last year and some people he was kind of an interesting guy to keep your eye on. But, you know, Mac was a fourth rounder last year. Wilkins is a fifth rounder this year. There's not that much difference um, from that standpoint as far as the team's investment. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to be playing best ball on my favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. Season long with no management, you just set your team and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players can automatically select it, and you'll get the best score every week guaranteed. Never worry about injuries or last-minute benchings. Again, you can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes. So you can join one right now. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3, so there's a league for everyone. And this year, they're running a $1 million best ball tournament on Draft. Just enter the best ball championship draft the best team, and you can win a piece of a million dollars in prizes. There's no salary caps. You play in a real-life snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. So come join me on Draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on Draft.com, Whatever, however you want to do it. For a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code Wire. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code Wire on your first deposit on Draft. So search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free for free with promo code Wire. Draft, thanks a lot for sponsoring our podcast. All right. We're going to go tight ends um, and just cover them for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and talk about anybody you want to bring up. That's fine. I've got some people I want to talk about, but if you want to talk about Kevin and anybody else, go for it. Who? Should, give me your top three in order. Number one. Um, And interesting fact, uh, John, that
1: I bet you did not know, and 99.9% of fantasy football players out there didn't know, I used to do the tight end section for the Rotowire magazine. Nice. And let me tell you what a bear that was. (laughs) I would spend so many hours, I mean, I would literally get a spreadsheet with all the facts of all the players, then have to kind of look up the scouting reports on each one, and it was tough to not write is a good blocker and runs good routes and has sure hands and can catch a football
3: (laughs) might catch six to eight
1: touchdowns and 60 passes and exactly for 600 yards yes uh so i no longer do that and it's probably a blessing in disguise i'm doing a lot more dfs work i think that was one of those situations where i was happy to give it up and rotowire was fine with taking it away from me and giving it to somebody else but anyways um so my top three tight ends that i have I still have Rob Gronkowski, number one. Um, I know you've got the injury concerns with him, but the state of affairs with the wide receivers, the Edelman suspension, now Jordan Matthews, I think, is banged up. You know, it's tough to figure out who's going to get the targets in this offense. And it wouldn't surprise me if Brady just goes to Gronk 10 times a game, each and every time until, unfortunately, Gronk gets hurt or, you know, maybe he does last the whole season. So I've got Gronk, number one. Number two, I do have Kelsey and um, there are a few red flags that come with him. Number one, we don't know how Mahomes and him are going to hook up. We don't know that they have the same rapport, the same relationship, the same trust that Alex Smith and Cal had last season. 123 targets for a tight end is a crazy amount, and usually I like the tight end in a situation where you've got a quarterback who's a rookie or who's new because they run a lot of safe routes over the middle where it, it – You know, the quarterback can release the ball quickly. They don't have to worry about getting hit. Um, It's a short, safe route that they usually can't screw up for a pick six or an interception. But with Kelsey, you got to remember in this offense, he does run a lot of patterns down over the middle of the field where quarterbacks will hesitate to go. And I just think that last year might have been a thousand yards and eight receiving touchdowns might be the ceiling for Kelsey and. I'm just a little bit worried that he's not the number one. There's enough red flags there that he's not the number one guy for me. Number three for me is going to be a guy that's leapfrogging a couple other guys that I think most people have. Jimmy Graham. Whoa. So that, a,
3: this is yeah. an interesting. You, you. This is an unusual stake your claim kind of. I know you're not trying for you know to to make a a statement, but um, that's that's a different pick than most people.
1: It is. And let me tell you why. First of all, Jimmy Graham's going to retire someday. And if he makes it to the Hall of Fame and without his numbers and everything in front of me and knowing what he's going to do in the future. um, I mean, did this guy could this guy could the chips have fallen any better for this guy? Drew Brees in his prime, (laughs) Russell Wilson in his prime, and now Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think that I could have put up a productive career at tight end if I had those guys throwing the ball to me. So here's what I like about Jimmy Graham. You look last year, and it was a pretty narrow receiving tree in Seattle. Ten receiving touchdowns, which I think is definitely uh, he can replicate this year. Only three receivers total had double-digit receiving touchdowns last year. Two were wide receivers, um, and the other one was Jimmy Graham. And Devontae Adams, we're pretty sure about. Randall Cobb apparently is healthy. He's going to run those short, quick routes. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to love Jimmy Graham. And, you know, you can go look. It's not tough to find a lot of fluff pieces out there already about Graham saying it's so easy to catch the ball, this and that. But I really think in this offense, he's going to be the number two option. And if he's the number two option to Aaron Rodgers after Devontae Adams, um, i got to love it. And he may be the number one option in the red zone, just given his size and everything. So, I, and we've seen this in the past, I know. We've seen tight ends go to Green Bay and think they're going to have monster seasons only to come up short. I think that this season it can work out for Graham. So I have him number three. I have an incredible amount of shares of Jimmy Graham this year, um, including in Stopa. And I have him and probably 70-80% of the MFLs I've done taking him and sitting there in the fifth, sixth round. I love that he's sitting right there. I'm happy to scoop them up, as I said, just for that upside with those touchdowns. That's a huge difference than the guys who are going to get a lot of yards but only score three or four touchdowns. And remember, Travis Kelsey, a lot of yards a couple seasons ago, but only four touchdowns. Huge difference to get those 10 touchdowns. Those six extra touchdowns are the equivalent of over 400 receiving yards. So that's why I like Jimmy Graham and I've got him in my third spot.
3: All right. And Ertz is fourth, I assume.
1: Yeah, it was some combination then. Um, Ertz, then Ingram, Olsen, guys like that, that make a lot of sense to me going right after that.
3: Okay. Um, you mentioned Ingram. Uh, last year, he was second in targets at tight end. Now, he spent most of his year without Odell Beckham Jr. Do you, are you buying the high most, most rankings that I've seen have Ingram, Ingram fourth, actually. He's seen, it, it's, and I know it's different for yours. And let's take Graham out of this equation. Um, for now because we discussed him already but but the 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 big three which have been in a lot of drafts uh, Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, Ingram's fourth do you do you buy that that the volume with with OBJ on the field that the volume is still going to be there for Ingram?
1: I don't know but are there going to be better quality of targets? Yeah Um, that's one thing I look at and I was looking before we Came on to this because I remember doing a lot of the DFS. I write the DFS column week in and week out on Rotowire for FanDuel. And I was looking, you know, looking last year. I remember a lot of times I was going, oh, you got to go with Ingram. He's the number one option because remember, Shepard missed time too last year. He's the number one receiving option out there. This guy should be ranked a lot higher than what he is. And there was a two game span in leagues 11 and 12 uh, where. He got, Evan Ingram got 13 targets and only turned him into four catches for 27 yards. So to me, that says that teams are doubling him, tripling him, whatever, doing whatever they need to do, because as fantasy owners, we're not the only ones that realize that Ingram was the top target. I think this is going to open up a lot of stuff for him over the middle. Having Shepard back, having OBJ on the outside, it should open up a lot of things. Give him single coverage. So I don't see him, and I'd be curious to see when the last time a rookie tight end got 115 targets was. I think the target number goes down, but I think the quality of targets goes up. So I think he still has a good season. He's a guy that you can get in the seventh, eighth round. No problem with getting him there. Um, And as I said, I took him in stope, but don't mind having him. And you have to start two tight ends. Love having the pair of Jimmy Graham and Evan Ingram. Um, So that's kind of what I think. The targets go down, but the quality of targets goes up. Still has Eli slinging the ball back there, 37 years old. And for a lot of people, if you're looking for a late-round sleeper and you think all these guys are going to have a good season, talking about the Giants receiving core, Eli Manning is going to have a few great games this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't, don't forget about him, especially once five weeks roll around.
3: Yep, and, and folks, we, we've talked about this with a few other people, the idea that – if you think OBJ is going to be a top-five receiver and if you think Ingram's going to be a top-five tight end and you think Shepard's okay and you think Barkley's going to catch the ball, uh, it, it almost stands to reason that, that Eli would have to do better than the ADP now, which he's in the low 20s, outside the top 25 quarterbacks. Um, unless you think Eli's completely done, which is possible. Um, all right, so next up, Greg Olson. Greg, actually, back to, back to Ingram just to, just to close that loop. ADP wise on MFL, I'm seeing him at number fifty overall, and at uh, on fantasy football calculator, he's going in the sixth round. So um, that that seems to be your you know somewhere in that range is your draft cost. Greg Olson, um, he had three thousand yard seasons from 2014, 15, 16. Then last year he you know got hurt and didn't do a whole heck of a lot, and um, it it doesn't his his down year injury filled year at age 32 does not seem to be scaring anybody away managed football calculators going late fifth um, on MFL I'm seeing him in round seven he's a top six tight end are you in on Greg olson at that price
1: um I am and and I'll tell you why um yes he's not the youngest guy anymore he was hurt last season which automatically makes people think wow well, he's injury prone but really, he hasn't been. I mean, this is a guy right. who's never missed time before last season. Never missed time, which is unheard of at the position. And if I remember correctly, I even think he came back early, a lot earlier than what they thought last year. So this is a guy who has Cam Newton's trust. And I think if you've owned Olsen in the past, especially um, the past few seasons with Cam and the Carolina days, here's what's happened with Olsen. Like, you kind of almost forget about him. You plug and play him each and every week because he's cost you a top 5ish, you know, uh, a pick at the position. You plug him in and play him every week and there'll be a couple weeks where he's kind of good. He goes, you know, 4 for 60, you know, 5 for something with 60, something like that. But then there's the week where he goes 8 for 80 in the score and he's the deciding factor in your matchup and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's why I went ahead and drafted <laughs> this guy." Totally remember now. Love Greg Olson. So I don't mind taking him there at all. And um, I probably got him sixth or seventh on my cheat sheet. Again, a guy who's never been hurt, a guy that has Cam's trust. You know, um, DJ Moore works out on the outside. You've got Funches there as well. Cam gets a little bit more accurate, or I don't think he can be any worse, especially I've seen some of his numbers when he's been under pressure. You know, Olsen, no reason to think he can't get to a thousand yards and a thousand yards is very rare as far as tight ends go. So even if it's, you know, the touchdown numbers aren't there, if you can get three, four, five, six out of him and you can get close to the thousand yards, he'll go ahead and pay you back at that price. As I said, don't think he's injury, uh, injury concern because of what happened last season. This guy has been an iron man.
3: All right, um, and by the way, one name you mentioned, DJ Moore. I know it's early in camp, and you don't want to take too much out of you know camp highlights and things. But DJ Moore looks pretty pretty solid so far. Um, one more in the top ten. I've talked about this guy a lot, but I'm guess since we're talking tight ends, I got to ask again: Are you on the Trey Burton train? No,
1: he's going before I can scoop him up. And the Chicago offense is something I've written about, and it's something I seem to get on talking about on almost any type of media uh, media gig that I do Um, taking a look at this team and I know Matt Nagy wants to use him in the Travis Kelsey role there's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense and by that I mean you've got Tariq Owens who's going to get the ball uh, you've got Jordan Howard who's going to get the ball and I love Mitch Trubisky this year I mean we're just talking about Eli Mitch Trubisky is going to cost a lot more but I think that the upside's there, and I've made the comparison not just because they're both Caucasian quarterbacks, but I've made the comparison to Carson Wentz and what he was doing last year before he got hurt. I think that both these guys kind of had the same skill set. They're a little bit mobile. They both have good arms. And I think that with a healthy Allen Robinson, who I think is going way too low, should be going much higher. And um, some of these other guys, Anthony Miller, very talented rookie. Mm-hmm. I mean, They overhauled. Their wide receivers. They brought in an offensive-minded coach. Rokon Smith is in sign. I'm sure he will, and he's going to help that defense. You want to talk about a killer linebacker? If you watch the college film, this guy, unbelievable. Yeah, I think as a whole, this Chicago Bears team is on the upswing and can do a lot of things this season. I'm not saying that they're going to go out and make the playoffs, and it's a terrible division, but I think that overall, this team's going to have a lot to do. So. All those in mouths being fed, I'm not exactly sure where Trey Burton falls. I mean, this is a guy that we saw, you know, the Philly special in the Super Bowl. Very athletic. Um, I'm just not sure that I'm ready to say that this guy gets to 800 to 1,000 yards and four to six touchdowns right out of the gate. Um, and a lot of people seem to think that that's where the upside is. And while it's not a huge cost, he's definitely going before I can go ahead and take him. So, I'm not on the Trey Burton train. I see the upside and see the potential there, and it's not going to kill you if he doesn't pan out given his cost, but I'm not getting Trey Burton. I don't think I have a share of
3: him in, in any spot right now. Okay, and you're probably looking round eight for Trey Burton, folks, just so he's going as a top-ten tight end. Um, new Fantasy Football is the next level fantasy football challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters. Accumulate college player prospects to lead your team in the future or to move for a superstar to the trade deadline. By the way, to, uh, last year in Ottenew, I got – Uh, Darius Geis for $16. And I kept. I did my keepers this week, and I looked, and it reminded me. I went, hey, that's not bad. They have a cheap McKinnon-Geis backfield in Ottenew. So, yeah, you can get guys when I got Geis at LSU. Um, Now he's going to play for me this year, so I'm pretty excited. All right, uh, Ottenew Fantasy Football never sleeps with year-round trades and off-season arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Ottenew becomes addicted at OttenewFootball.com. It's Ottenew Better Fantasy Football. All right, we've got some second-year guys that are going in the top 15, let's say, at tight end. And I want to ask you to rank them. Um, they are O.J. Howard, David Joku, and George Kittle. Rank them.
1: Okay, let's start backwards. Howard's number three for me. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> you've got the suspension, which, you know, isn't that big of a deal. You've got a capable um, backup there. For, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who you know should handle just fine and at least be eighty percent of what Jameson would have been for those few games that he's going to be out, but it's a little bit. I would knock him down just a little bit. Um, You know, all the position players for that factor, including Mike Evans. Um So Howard's number three, and the biggest thing is Cameron Brait's still there, and I know they like having both of these guys over the middle and. You know, it's, as I said, we've t- been talking about the tight ends. It's a trend we're starting to see. We talked earlier about the Colts that you're going to have two capable pass, uh, catching tight ends on a lot of these teams, which means that for me, there's going to be inconsistency that I don't trust. There's going to be weeks where these guys go two for 12, and it's going to be great when they go five for 50 in a score, but the two for 12 might really, really hurt you. So um, that's why I've got Howard number three out of these three guys.
3: And to jump in on that one. Um, yep. I know I, I talked about this more last year with people um, about the Howard Brate thing, but, but the problem for Howard is that he's a g- really good blocker. So compared to Brate, he's a better blocker. So I, I, if one's blocking, it's going to be Howard. So, so that yeah. takes away from the pass routes, right? Yes.
1: It takes away from the
3: pass routes.
1: I suppose that if I was going to car- counter argue something I might say that might put him on the field for more snaps okay. as well, and sometimes, you know, especially near the goal line, maybe fakes the pad, you know the blocking and rolls out and is open in the end zone. Whereas we might not see break be able to do that or, or fake that. Um, but yes, that's something definitely to consider. As I said earlier, I used to do the tight ends, and one of the things I used to stress was whether or not they can block. You know, they're going to be out on the field or not. A lot of these guys, um, you know, like Ricky Seals, Jones, and even Jordan Reed. Those are the guys we like in fantasy because they're not asked to do a lot of blocking. They're asked to go out there and run routes and catch the football, which is what we want to see and and, and like. We like these guys who are kind of caught in between of being a true tight end at 6'4", 260, and a wide receiver at you know, 6'4", 6'3", and, and you know 210. So we like those guys. But, um, yeah, so that's why I have Howard at number three, though. I, as I said, just camera break. If he's doing more blocking, then he's not running routes. Um and and Godwin might develop as well. I mean, there's a lot of uh, sleeper hype with him as well. I've seen him go in every single draft I've done, so that could happen as well and take a few targets away from the tight ends. The two and one guys are difficult. Um, I think the consensus is going to say that Kittle's first and Joku's number two. That's mine. Yes. Okay, and I'm kind of torn. Um, if we knew what was going on with Josh Gordon. I think I'd have a little bit better handle on the situation. So, therefore, based upon what I think the roles are going to be in this offense and how we saw Kittle and Jimmy G kind of develop the rapport and the relationship, um, over, you know, over the last few games, I would probably go with that. But I think it's a lot closer than people think. I'd almost say one A Kittle, one B and Joku. Um, Just as I said, just given the fact that Josh Gordon could return to the team, they could sign Des Bryant in addition, just as insurance. You've still got Corey Coleman. You've got Jarvis Landry in the slot. Seems like there's more miles to feed to get the football in that scenario as opposed to competing with Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon. So uh, I'm going to say Kittle. I think that as I said, the upside's there. He's had the whole offseason to work with Jimmy G. Everybody loves Jimmy G. We all have seen the amount of upside. Hasn't lost the game in the NFL. All of that stuff. All that jazz. Not a good defense either. That's, that's I think, going to play well for the 49ers as well. I don't think that all of a sudden they turn into the 2,000 Ravens or 85 Bears on defense. So I like the fact that they're going to have to throw the football. Kittle looks the part. He gets open in the middle. Good hands. Runs good routes. No problem with taking him there or having him 1A. But 1B, a few things about Njoku, and I saw somebody say this on on Twitter. Somebody was saying something about his physique. And, you know, we've seen all these pictures pop up on Twitter and what great shape. And somebody said that uh, Njoku doesn't have abs. He's just a whole ab. <laughs> and, uh uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But the, the curious thing about him that I don't think that people realize is for all the hype Juju Smith-Schuster gets, and rightfully so, and how young he is and all that, Njoku just turned 22. And when I say he just turned 22, I mean like two weeks ago he turned 22. So this is a guy who's already got a season under, of uh, a whole season of the NFL under his belt with, at best, what I would call questionable quarterbacking. Didn't put up the greatest stats, but I think we saw the potential of what he can do if he has a good quarterback under center, whether it's Tyrod, who went to Charles Clay a lot here in Buffalo, or whether it's going to be Baker Mayfield. And if Baker Mayfield's ready and better than Tyrod, uh, that's even better for Njoku. So Njoku for me is 1B there, just behind George Kittle. I don't think people are giving this guy enough respect. And as I said, if Josh Gordon, worst case scenario, doesn't come back, if Des Bryant is the reason why Des Bryant wasn't good in, in Dallas last season and has lost a step and isn't the same wide receiver, Njoku could step in and be the number two, three passing option, receiving option in that offense um, after Jarvis Landry and after whoever's going to be that number one wide receiver guy. So I like Njoku a lot. Uh, he's a guy that I do have on a bunch of my teams. I bid on him in Stopa and kind of let it go um i don't think i had both my tight ends yet if i remember correctly but i let it go i want to say on a bit of eight or nine and then just went out and got more guys who i thought were more elite but loving david and joku so when i say 1b that's a huge compliment to
3: him. all right um yeah like i I agree with you josh gordon is a big uh, swing factor for joku um you mentioned jordan reed his price seems to be around eight through ten um on one hand, Jordan Reed has been injury prone and let us all down many times before uh, for the amount of time he's missed but now the it doesn't cost you much. It used to cost you a you know a top three tight end pick now it doesn't is this the kind of price that makes you ready to jump back in on Jordan Reed?
1: It's a price where you can, and I think that you know he's like the hot girlfriend you dated five years ago where who dumped you and left you so scorned that even if she comes back (laughs) begging you tell yourself i just can't do it i can't do it i don't care what she's promised and if she's shown she's changed i can't do it and i'm really at that point with jordan reed i've had him i've gotten burned by him and the one thing i can say is this if you're going to go ahead and draft him even that late uh, you've got to grab another tight end later you've got to get somebody like um somebody like a Luke Wilson late, somebody else that you can plug in and prepare for those weeks where he's not on the field because he's had another concussion, um, because that's almost a guarantee to go go and happen. I mean, I don't know what the odds are at this point of him playing 14 or more games, but I got to say that the odds are probably 20% or less. So if you can get that second guy cheap, uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, Austin Hooper, Luke Wilson, one of those guys, and throw him on your bench, you have to draft a second tight end, even in just regular 12-team leagues. have to have that guy ready to plug in when Reed inevitably gets hurt. But you can go in for him, and I, I understand that. If the replacement value is there and you get 10 to 12 games where he lasts the whole games, I can see why you would take him just given the fact that there is a lot of upside in his game.
3: All right. Um, do you like any of the rookies I mean there's not much to choose from here Hurst and Gesicki and uh, who else do we got here Dallas Goder and Philly and, and did any of them interest you at all for, for redraft athletes?
1: uh Gasecki, just because he's, he's got a clear path. Even Hurst, I feel like they, and um, I was talking, to, I talked about Hurst in the last Waver wire article I wrote on RotoWire. I mean, Hurst is just there with this collection of tight ends. They just seem to be collecting tight ends in Baltimore. I don't know if Ozzie Newsom is doing this subconsciously or whatnot, but they just have all these tight ends that they use draft picks on,
3: all these kind of mediocre fourth, fifth round guys. Didn't they go first and third? This yes. year, yes. Andrews yes. was the someone. Someone on here recently was talking up Andrews a little bit.
1: But, yeah, and I, I, I still don't see though. I think Hurst is still the best guy with the most upside, but I don't know that I trust any of those guys. Yeah, uh, Flacco is, you know, Flacco, you know, we could see Lamar Jackson at some point. I just don't think I trust any of those guys there. If there is one guy that does interest me, it's Kisecki. Um I've seen mixed reports. I've seen that. He's having trouble picking up the offense. I hear he's the definitely the best pass casting option. He caught just, a one-handed
3: pass on, on Saturday or Sunday, and everybody exactly. on Twitter went crazy for 10 minutes, so it was awesome.
1: Yes, exactly, a one-handed catch. Um, I did watch him a lot at Penn State, though, last year, kind of as a byproduct of watching Saquon Barkley. And the kid does have a lot of talent. And, you know, it was pretty easy to say, this kid's going to be playing on Sunday next year. And it's a pretty easy path there in Miami for him to get to the playing time and to get the most targets at the position. So I think Asaki would be the one guy that I would take a look at, as I said. And I think that they've shown us that, for the most part, and Ingram's kind of the uh, the anomaly that – Tight end is probably the toughest position for us to see um, a player come in as a rookie and make an immediate impact, just having to know all the blocking schemes as well as the pass routes, catching the ball, and everything else. So um, usually you, you see no production from rookie tight ends, but Koseki's the one guy that I would take a flyer on. If if you decide that you need to, you know, dynasty leagues or you need to have a rookie on your team, Koseki's the guy I'm taking.
3: Okay. Last question. I would prefer that this is someone you haven't talked about already. But who's your favorite late round, let's say double digit round sleeper?
1: Double digit round sleeper. Um, talked about Trubisky. I just want to repeat these guys. Talked about Jordan Wilkins. Um, talked a little no, bit. No tight end. Him. Only tight end. Oh, only tight end. Yes. Gosh, um, guy that I well, I did mention him. But I'm going to bring him up again. Um, Austin Hooper. And the reason why is, is we talk about tight ends and you've got these guys on the outsides and we're worried about who might take targets from what. But sometimes the tight end is just that position in the middle. It's the safety valve. So who do I want? I want a guy who's been in the league for a few years. I just said that, you know, you really can't trust rookies. So you've got Hooper, who's been there for a few seasons in Atlanta and. Um, I believe he has the trust of Matt Ryan. I want them in a good offense where they're going to throw and get a lot of the quarterbacks going to throw and get 4,000 plus yards each and every season, which you can more or less count on from Matt Ryan. And I think so he's got such good weapons on the outside. They're adding Ridley to Sanu and Julio Jones that there's going to be the opportunity for things over the middle for Hooper. So if he's a guy, he's probably the one guy that I'm going to take kind of late, um, just as a flyer. And I know Mario, and I don't want to steal his thunder, talked a lot about Luke Wilson. I don't think Matthew Stafford, I think that's a similar situation where Matthew Stafford can count on him for throwing for 4,000 yards. Similar situation where he's used to throwing to Eric Ebron. now it's Luke Wilson and Luke Wilson said that he kind of came to this team for the opportunity to catch passes and be that main tight end. So those would be the two guys that I would take a look at. I'm in agreement there, but I don't want to steal Mario's thunder because Mario's president of the luke wilson fan club uh so i will nominate myself for president of the austin
3: hooper fan club gotcha all right folks listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod no credit card needed so you can take a look at nearly all the features on the site totally worth it you should check it out rotowire.com slash pod um kevin what else i know you're doing a lot of baseball dfs uh is that that taking up most of your time right now that and the under the radar player stuff
1: yeah, so the under the radar stuff is um kind of my waiver column. Uh, Chris and Thornberry and the powers that be wanted me to get going on uh, the waiver wire stuff early. Cause a lot of teams have had theirs, but it's also a good tool to use if you haven't. And most people haven't had their drafts yet. They'll be happening in the month of August. So that's a good thing. And then I'll be coming out with that biweekly. So it won't be um, out this Tuesday, but I've already done two in the past and I'll have one out next Tuesday with some guys who haven't been drafted or guys that you could take as late round flyers as I said I already talked about Jordan Wilkins three, or four weeks ago in there. Three days a week, you can find my FanDuel DFS up on rotowire.com every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. In addition to that, I'm doing a million different media gigs um, besides this podcast. I'm doing anywhere from five to ten different uh, sound bites on you know different radios, ESPN affiliates across the country. I usually post those. Rotowire, you can find those on at Rotowire, too. They're posting them as well. A lot of these stations, and this season I'll be doing Um, fantasy football on Home of the Saints with Bobby Hebert, who used to be the quarterback for the Saints for a while. Um, I'm going to be doing Countdown to Kickoff, which is Cleveland Browns pregame. I'm going to be doing uh, Green Bay Packers pregame every Friday morning. I'm doing the game in Orlando. I'll have six to seven that are weekly, regular weekly spots that I'll be doing, and then a bunch of one-time spots, hit or miss here and there um, as well.
3: Hunter Renfro today, I see.
1: I did, yes. I just posted that up. Uh, a yeah. good guy that I'm always taking a look at whenever he's facing a lefty. Him and Marcel Azuna, Azuna's facing a lefty as well. He's a guy that you always look at and is a little bit more obvious. He homered again last night in the first inning, so he's got homers in back-to-back games. So I think a lot of people are going to be on him. But I think Renfro at home against Derek Holland is a good play. I like a lot some of those right-handed bats on both sides in that San Diego-San Francisco. A lot of times those games can be very low-scoring, but every once in a while... You get those guys, and uh, they they can become quietly a high-scoring affair, especially if there's kind of a tight strike zone in those games.
3: All right. Um, Everybody check that out. If you're into DFS baseball, check out Kevin's stuff and the end of the radar. um, Football Columns 1 was posted last week, so we'll get another one soon. But he's at Payne 26 on Twitter. I'm at Halpin 37 Folks, if you like the podcast, please leave us a review and a rating. Um, Kevin, thanks a lot, man. We'll do this again soon, okay? Okay, thanks, John. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire wire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Draft.com. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode, so please come on back. For Kevin Payne, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.